And welcome back to a regular season episode of the Limited Upside podcast. The NBA season is back. We're very excited. We decided to have Zito Madu come on and talk with Mike and I. I'm Ben Epstein. As always, I was joined by Mike Prada. And Zito was nice enough to grace us with his presence. He's a he's a tough ticket, so it was easy to it was not easy to uh, to lock him down for this. So I hope you all really enjoy this solid hour of NBA discussion. We make some some sweeping observations about the first two three games of the season, but there have been some amazing individual performances, uh, and obviously we have to touch on the lightning rod that will be the Warriors the entire season, as well as uh, Russell Westbrook's middle finger to the world tour, which has been going amazingly um, if you're rooting for him. So before you listen to this, please subscribe, rate, review, all those good things wherever you get our podcast. There's lots of mediums for that. Please find us. My suggestion would be to just Google limited upside. And then from there, you can find basically any way to get this podcast. Um, as always, send us your questions. Send them to Prada at SBNation.com. That's email. You can also tweet at us before each podcast. We let you know when we're going to be recording one. So you can get a little heads up and you can tweet at Mike Prada SBN at limited underscore upside or at EpiBen. Um, but please uh, sit back and enjoy good podcast. Zito is um, a very a well-opinionated guy, just like Mike on the NBA. And I, tr- I do my best to um, try to add a few two cents to, to the conversations while really just getting these guys to be uh, as good at the NBA as they do professionally. And I think you'll really enjoy it. So please sit back and enjoy this episode of the Limited Upside Podcast. Shut up and sit down. We are back with a guy who it's very hard to pin him down. You know, we he's got a lot going on, and we paid a pretty penny to get him here. Got Zito Madu, SBNation.com extraordinaire on the line. Zito, what's the most interesting thing that happened in the NBA this week? Uh, Jesus, it has to be the Warriors, right? Yeah, I think oh, so. always the Warriors. For sure. Because <laughs> it, begu- uh, it started. Because the whole experiment has begun. It has to be the most exciting thing. Yeah, this is this is the beginning of the end, or it's supposed to be, where they beat everybody by like thirty points and win the title without even trying. That's right. Instead, they got beat by thirty points. Yeah, yeah. which is wonderful, right? <laughs> I mean, it's not really wonderful for their fans, but it was wonderful to watch the Warriors <laughs> kind of not know what to do when they're getting blown out and watching Patty Mills drop threes on the Warriors is just something I love. <laughs> So you're you become a full blown like Warriors hater at this point. They're they're frustrating you this much. Well, okay, so it's not that I'm a Warriors hater, right? Because the Golden State State of Mind blog still follows me. And we're really good, so I can't really <laughs> say that. But I like right, I like when things don't go as planned for like heavyweight, you know, like sure. really dominant things right so the warriors get kevin durant and they're just like oh harrison barnes is gone it doesn't matter kevin durant's here everything's gonna be perfect they're gonna win so many games they're just gonna be unstoppable and then the spurs come out there with paul gasol and lamarcus aldridge and blow out the warriors with and Kawhi leonard right Mm -hmm. so i think that's fun right because it adds a little bit of uh a little bit of conflict so it's not just an easy path right and now you now you're reminded that the Spurs are still the Spurs, regardless if they had me out there. Somehow I'll probably average twenty points because if Jonathan Simmons can do it, like <laughs> so, yeah, right. He he went instantly picked up in like every fantasy basketball league around the country. People are like, I don't know who he is, but but I, I got to pick him up. The research says the ads are going crazy on him. <laughs> Even though even nobody in, knew, nobody knew who Jonathan Simmons. Even in my the Snapchat that I did on Friday, I was like, <laughs> "Who knows who Jonathan Simmons was before this game?" Like, it, don't lie to me because none of you knew who Jonathan Simmons was. Uh, I, I thought he was Ben Simmons the whole time. And then was like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his jump shot's a little ugly, just like Ben's. But no, yeah. it's not Ben Simmons. Uh, <laughs> no cheap shots. He hasn't played yet. You don't know that. It could be perfect. 
I've seen him. I've seen his work. Let's say, uh, but yeah, that was kind of <laughs> a surprise. Uh, that was, and it's not like their next two games they blew the lids off the water either. I mean, they were they gave up a twenty to two run to the Suns on Sunday night, and they let the Pelicans, who are zero and three, kind of hang around for a while, even though they didn't have Drew Holiday. So it's not like they triumphantly bounced back either. So what's wrong with them? Well, let me ask you, Mike. So you you did a lot of work preseason. You did a lot of research. You did a Prada's motion picture. Um, on the Warriors, have you noticed anything kind of uh, come to come to life in front of you here, or, or are they or are they not actually operating as you you would have thought they would? Well, it's funny that the, they're a two man team right now. I mean, if you look mm. at the way they've played, they're Steph, who looks good, and KD, who's, who's looked great, and the two guys who have looked really shaky are. Although I guess there are some ways they look better uh, in a couple of the other games, is Draymond Green and Clay Thompson don't look quite like themselves. And I think I think there are a couple problems. One is pretty fixable. Like I think offensively they're missing some open shots. They'll stop doing that. They'll make more of those. Uh, that should be okay. What I worry a little bit more about is that they teams are attacking their lack of rim protection. I mean Zaza Pachulia looks done. You know, he just doesn't look. He looks. I mean, last year he was so good this time of year, and he does not look anything like that. So these teams are attacking the cup. Their rim protection really isn't that great, and they're crashing the offensive glass on them. And when you combine the fact that Draymond looks still a little out of sorts, he kind of is passing up these wide-open shots. Did you see that play the other day where he caught the ball on the wing against the Suns, and he dribbled and stared around for five seconds with nobody near him and then shot an air ball? No, I I didn't, but it's too bad Vine's going away. That's, like, made for that. (laughs) Yeah. It was it was ugly. He looks a little out of sorts. Uh, he's looked kind of really struggled against the Warriors. He doesn't quite know. I mean, usually he's used to kind of being much more active as the role man, and now KD is kind of taking some of that, so he's starting to adjust. I'm not that worried about that. I am worried that the teams are starting to crash the offensive glass on them and just take advantage of not having Zaza because they – they don't have other big guys that can really. I mean, David West doesn't look that great. I mean, even when they go small, they're already kind of vulnerable to rebounding, and so that worries me. If uh, that might be a trend that persists, it's more of a serious problem than we thought. But the best lineup last year didn't have a big man in it. No, but I think the league is sort of like I said, the league sort of figured out some strategies to crash the glass. Like, that. I thought it was striking the way Phoenix just killed them on the boards, and San Antonio especially. Just kill yeah, them that's on the what board. I was gonna say. That was like San Antonio's main thing was just like, hey, yeah. get the offensive rebounds or just get rebounds in general, and like they just absolutely destroyed the Warriors in there. So I don't know. It's pretty fun to watch, and I agree on the whole Clay Thompson thing. Like even against uh, the Spurs, he was just like he didn't hit his first shot till like late in the second or like third quarter. Or early third quarter, and I was like, "Wow!" Like he was just missing everything. Like even when he was wide open, and it was just weird to see, right? Because that's Clay Thompson. I'm, you're just used to Clay Thompson knocking shots like that down. That's right. So, so that's, I don't know. It's, it's really an embarrassment cool. of riches. I mean, when you have that many scoring options, when one gets hot, that takes up how many minutes of a quarter? Yeah. Um, if, two, if two get hot, now three, and all of a sudden, still Draymond hasn't been able to shoot yet. You know, yeah. uh, and same thing with Clay. Clay's another guy. Like in the rhythm of the chaos they used to have, he got lots of open looks, like multiple looks within the span of a minute, so he could kind of find his touch, kind of get his litmus test going. Um, that that's not happening exactly like you said, and you know, for maybe eight minutes, something like that. But the one thing is, his defense has still been awesome. He was smothering on Booker in that game, um, despite the fact that the you know, I guess Suns got around a hundred or whatever. Um, Booker was terrible, and most of that was because Clay was just all over him the whole game. So he has that going for him, which he's always going to be able to contribute. He can't be underlooked. I know Prada always hammers at me when I just only look at the offensive side of like of players. So I'm trying to be fair this year. <laughs> job, new nice new, se- nice new season, new new look uh, on, bas- on basketball. Um, we'll get to Oladipo later. Um, oh yeah. But, um, um, <laughs> but so are we? Are we surprised that? Their offense does not look. I mean, look, they've scored 122 against New Orleans. You know, they had 100 in both the other games. It's not like they're struggling terribly for shots. But, I mean, are you a little surprised that they haven't quite hit their stride offensively? Uh, not entirely, right? Because I think we all expected that somebody was going to have to be relegated, right? It was either going to have to be Draymond or Clay that was going to have to take a smaller role. Because, you know, Kevin Durant's not Harrison Barnes. He's not going to just take eight shots a game or six shots a game. He's going to take the second or the first or second most shots for the team. 
So is I think they're just kind of filling each other out, trying to find their new roles in the system. So it's not. I I think everybody just like expected them to just know what to do. But then you know it's preseason. Preseason is easy to play there. But then when you know when things when you play the Spurs or when things actually you know push comes to shove, you actually have to figure out what role you're going to play in the offense. And I think they're struggling a bit on that. And especially Clay, who said that he's not going to like <laughs> taper his offense because of Kevin Durant or he's not going to taper his game and it's becoming very evident that he has to, right? Yeah. So it's, it's to the point where I think, you know, like always a few or 20, 30 games into the season and they'll be, they'll know what to do. But for Yo, now... Would they, would they take, um, would they trade Clay to the Sixers for Noel and uh, one of the picks? <laughs> They, the Sixers can only get Clay if they just trade the entire franchise. Not even then. They don't even need. They don't even need Clay. It's obvious at this point. Right? Two games into the season, they don't even need him. Not even. Not even. <laughs> just then. give. Nice just try. give him to the Sixers. All right, that's fine. All right. I am a little worried about their rim protection, their right, defense, sorry, sorry. and their rebounding. And you know, this might be a little bit more of a problem than we thought. Well, it's with two ga- three games into the season. I, I think they've played. They got. Absolutely blitzed by a, like a midseason Spurs team, which was kind of funny to see. I agree with Zito on that. That was kind of one of those like uh, games you root for the Spurs throughout the course of the season, where you just kind of root <laughs> for the crafty set of players they put out. They played like twelve guys in that game, um, so that's that's always interesting. Um, and then they also, in the course of the record here, I want to get to a few players who they've played against. Right, so we should start with in that Spurs game, uh, a pretty. Uh, but one of the best games in the high-scoring game of Kawhi Leonard's career, um, and he was also. By the way, how the weird court. is that? He scored 35 points in that game, right? And that's his career high. That's right. That's right. How bizarre is that? I feel like Everything that's about him is bizarre. Though, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <It's> like <laughs> totally. when Kawhi Leonard does anything, I'm shocked by it. <laughs> he dunks, and I'm like, that's just a weird thing. Like, yeah, just you dunk. <laughs> No, he's fantastic though. I mean, his stat line is one of those things that each night he kind of adds another like tick. If you if you play in, in any type of fa- fantasy basketball league, he's uh, he's tremendous. Um, fills a fills a box score, but then you watch the game and like it's a huge steal and an important moment. He just took the ball away from Macklemore. And- oh God, that was that was so sad. <laughs> that I felt was so big bad kid, for little kid stuff. That was like <laughs> what happens in AAU. You know, at a younger, much younger age. It reminded me of what he did to Steph Curry. I think it was 2015 before mm-hmm. they won the title. Remember, it was the yes. second time they played the Spurs or they played the Spurs. And Steph was going off in the first half. And then Pop put uh Leonard on him for the rest of the uh for the rest of the game. And then I think Steph didn't score, like do anything for the rest of the game. He's at like 21 points and he was just done. Yeah. And then Leonard had like four steals on and one of them Steph was just driven up the court he just shut him down like half court and just took the ball from him <laughs> and I was like that's, that's when after I wrote that he ruins you know he ruins everything he like ruins fun now it was so sad to see like watching Steph Curry try to dribble out of it and still lose it was pretty rough <laughs> yeah, yeah you know what's funny his offensive game kind of reminds me of Kobe's he kind of does like dribbles to mid-range mid-range yeah, yeah. He just kind of backs you down and shoots mid range. Similar numbers. shot too. I mean, the line drive kind of pretty precise. Um, you know, Kobe's uh, was was much better though. Obviously, I think improvising around the basket. And one of Leonard's strengths though is when he actually looks for his shot, mm-hmm. he can score pretty much on anybody. But the fact of the matter is, they don't look for him to have those types of nights every single night. He doesn't have to have that. You know, the um, the amount of scoring touches that maybe like a Harden or Westbrook or. Um, or Bobby Cousins gets like it's just different on the Spurs, and it's going to be that way still with Aldridge on the team. But obviously, when they can lean into him for a game like that, like he's going to put up forty at some point this season. Like you'll see these new career highs, I think, pretty routinely. Um, Maybe I, it's kind of funny to me how the Spurs, after being sort of the anti-fun team with uh, Steve Nash and hmm. seven seconds or less. Sons, and then they sort of evolved into the fun team, you know, with the way they kind of moved the ball and played. And now they're devolving back into the anti-fun team. They're kind of the team that slows the ball down, throws it inside, like kind of dribbles a lot, doesn't get a lot of assists, not as much ball movement, but just kind of overpowers you with physical strength. And then their game plan against the Warriors, where they were closing out so hard on the three-point line and kind of letting Steph drive, was very much – it reminded me of when they let Amari Stoudemire go off in that playoff series and just 
said, okay, you get what you want. We're going to shut down everything else. That was what that reminded me of. It's so funny how they've now, again, sort of become the like anti-fun, anti-team you know, team that goes against the trends, the, the dark, sort of boring but effective team again. So basically, Greg Popovich is Joe <laughs> Belichick, <laughs> right? Because that's that's literally his thing. Is you can you can do whatever you want with this guy. That I'm not going to be able to stop, but nobody else is going to do anything here. Yeah, exactly. And he can tra- he can kind of move with any trend that his roster kind of puts in front of him. Now he's now he's playing a different game because he's got all these bigs. Yeah, makes sense. Great coach. I still think they're going to be in trouble in the playoffs with their guard play, but for now it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so also uh, on the course of the Warriors season, they've run into Anthony Davis, who we'd be remiss not to, to talk about for a pretty good period of time because SB Nation in general, Mike, have we not spent some time on the Pelicans recently? Yeah, much to the chagrin of some Pelicans fans. Yeah. Like, Zito, you wrote, you, once yeah. you saw after uh, <laughs> Davis scored nearly half his team's points in the loss to the Nuggets at home with a almost a 5-by-5 five five line, you you were inspired to kind of lament the whole situation. I mean, do you see any hope for that team surrounding Davis with any types of parts that can make the Pel- him like not have to do this all the time? Uh, no, because even he said it after the game. He came out clearly and said, I have to have maybe not 50 points, but a similar night to this every day for us to have a chance at winning. And I thought it was, uh, I thought it was kind of funny that he didn't say for us to win. He said for us to have a chance, right? Because I lost. (laughs) Yeah. He literally has to be superhuman every night, not just for them to even win a game, just to have like the opportunity to be close enough. And like just watching him play, right? Because I think the only person who had who actually did something positive was Tim Frazier. Yeah, Frazier. Yeah, Frazier. And you know, Frazier makes a bunch of bad mistakes too, right? It's like they have Anthony Davis, but they don't want to be Anthony Davis dependent. So a lot of times you'll see like somebody like Tim Frazier dribble into a double team and try a floater. And I'm just like, what what are you doing? Like you have Anthony Davis right there. Like, you don't need to do this, right? But it's him, Lance Stevenson, and who else is on there? They got got Solomon Hill, Etuan Moore. uh, Oh, God, yeah. um, Now, in fairness, they are missing their second best player. They're missing Drew Holiday. They're missing Drew Holiday, Langston Galloway, Gavins. Galloway's back? Galloway's playing. They are are missing Evans. Pondexter, too. But but Quincy Pondexter's been injured for a year. But I think the big one is they're missing Drew Holiday, and that's obviously a big loss. And the other thing is that they did have a Warriors Spurs back-to-back, which is a little unfair. Um, But there's also the bigger picture. There's sort of the small picture thing, which is, okay – they're not going to be this bad. Like Buddy Heald will play better, and Holiday will come back, and maybe Evans will come back, and maybe they can scratch out 40 wins in the playoff spot. But the bigger picture is that there's no sort of real help arriving on the horizon. I mean, they're, Holiday and Evans are free agents after the year. They've never drafted that second star. They've made some ill-fated trades. They've had a ton of injury problems, which make you wonder about the health sort of infrastructure of that organization and the dysfunction there and davis's rookie contract's got three or next contract excuse me has three more years and it doesn't feel like unless they really stink this year which seems hard that to believe because they have anthony davis like you're not going to be the worst team in the league with anthony davis on your team right so you're not going to be in contention for those top top lottery picks there's so you're not going to get that superstar most likely and they have a lot of problems with the contracts that they do have, it doesn't feel like they're going to get him enough help to really be a threat. And that's sad to me. Oh, yeah. I, I think I w- as soon as I wrote that, I remembered it, or not remember, but like his extension is 5 million, whatever. And it's just the five-year whatever million. And it's just like, he's going to be in this situation for a very long time. Where he's not really, he's, you're going to have one of the best players in the NBA or like an incredible like talent. And he's just going to be in this like little limbo between not actually making a jump to, you know, being achieving anything and not being bad enough that they can start over. So Dude, it's, it's, it's a lot like Charles Barkley with the Sixers. 
Except Davis, I think, is more transformational talent than even Barkley is. Yeah, I mean, slightly, but uh, Barkley was, at the time, pretty much that guy. He was one of the first power, massive, like, uh, power forward guy gets the rebound, goes down the court, dunks type players. I mean, reminds me a little of more of, of KG. Well, sure. Yep, yeah, sure. I mean, I in a lot of ways, right? But yes, that's fine. He's a transformational player, too, yeah. Yeah, you were saying, I mean, it's sad and yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, is there a way out? I mean, could they could they get somewhere? You know, maybe. I mean, the other problem too is that that's not a great. That's a market that's always sort of been in peril in terms of. So they they don't have the luxury, I don't think, to do the Sixers rebuild because Philadelphia is an institution in the NBA, and yes, there are not a lot of fans going the last couple of years, but they have a legacy. The New Orleans doesn't have that, so if they were to bottom out, I think that would have been tough. Sure. But, I mean. Dessert. Ben, do you see any way that this turns around? I mean, it's tough. I, I went to a couple of games down there, and, and they have a pretty good fan base. They have a a nice arena, I guess you'd say. It's it's fine. Um, I know a few. I know <laughs> That's a few. Like the worst compliment. I, I don't know, man. It's it's tough. It's a little bit dank in there. A little, you a little dreary. A little yeah, dreary. you have a nice arena. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good. you got to... You got seats so, you're turning uh, somebody down. You're just like, well, you're nice, but you're just not for me. <laughs> Pop, popcorn. And, uh, great personality. Yeah, 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 great personality. That's what you just told him. <laughs> it's tough. I went to a Spurs game there, and there were a lot of Spurs fans. I guess Spurs fans travel well. But, um, yeah, it was – It was. Uh, anyhow, so they – I guess the hardest part is when you're in a city that's for sure a football city, that's in a for sure football state – um, you have a lot of tourism and whatnot. That's kind of a in and out city, if you will, for for people and entertainment purposes. Um, it's tough. I, it's hard to build a fan base when you're not really competing for a championship. That's the one thing the Sixers had going for them is that, like you said, they weren't going to get rid of an institution like the Sixers, but but also that it was kind of an understood thing at the time. And I think it still played itself out well. Um, I'd be interested in the financials. It's hard for me to really say the same way we always speculate you know, that it's okay as a Sixers institution. Maybe they were close to being moved to New Jersey. Who knows? Um, Sam Harris might do that. But um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's interesting, though, because I think that the, the Pelicans are a team who are never going to compete for anything. But at the same time, they aren't, they aren't that far away from being competitive in, in the West. The West is transforming a little bit older as they can kind of maybe tie the time. Drew comes back, they play well, they re-sign him, and they draft somebody decent with a, a mid-round pick, and, and they're all of a sudden they're doing better. I mean, I don't want to put too much into Buddy Heald either because I don't think that he's going to be that great. Mike, you picked him to win the scoring title for rookies, didn't you? No, kind of by default. <laughs> Did you? Over over Embiid? You didn't realize Embiid was going to be this this dominant? Well, I thought Embi- Embiid's not playing uh, regular minutes. He only needs ten minutes a game to win the scoring yeah, title. I guess for now I realize that, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he caught himself the process. He should have known right there that he yeah. was going to be the greatest. <laughs> so is that the, is that the best nickname in the NBA right now? Yes. Ben, easily. are you are you in on the process? A hundred percent. It's self aware and awesome at the same time. It's, it does feel like he's trying a little too hard with this. I mean, I like it. I'm just saying he's trying. He's kind of like. Trying to, it's a great nickname, but if it was like not a good nickname and he kept calling himself this, he would be annoying. It's just his taste in nicknames has been better. It's just a good nickname, though. The process he's, is he's a good very one. social media savvy, too, right? Totally. It, like, totally. he spent the whole two years basically being online and making jokes, so he, <laughs> he knows what he's doing at this point. It's true. It's true. He basically got a, a pedigree, a, a PhD, if you will, in social media, even though he's only in his real first year of the NBA. But he's already like a veteran of the game. He can just like run your social media accounts, too. <laughs> no, I'm sure perfect. they've thought about that. Yeah, it's it's different. People are literally getting tickets and buying season tickets because of Joel Embiid now. And they haven't even seen Ben Simmons play. And hopefully he's as awesome as I hope he will be. The two of them together starts to make me think that the Sixers could be good. If he's anything like Jonathan Simmons, he's already a better <laughs> I mean, that, that game on Saturday, that game on Saturday against the Hawks was like the most exciting 32-point loss in, in franchise history. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were, fans were Easily. so excited for that one move that he made. Dude, no, stop with this. Stop, Mike. Hey, that, that, that sounds like a team, one of the only teams in the NBA who's behind the Sixers currently in the standings talking. Uh, no, that's not true. They haven't won yet. 
Neither of you guys have you? No, I, I'm not trying to be jealous. I'm just, I'm actually, I'm not trying to throw shade. I promise. I'm trying to say that, like, because he looks good, yeah. they're in such a no, no lose situation. As yes, long as he yes. plays, it really doesn't matter how they do, because like, like they again, they lost by 32 points at home, and everyone was really excited about a couple things Joel and B did, and that's a great place yes. to be as a fan, as totally. a fan base. We've set the bar so low that. In the limited minutes that a guy who's coming off of two consecutive missed seasons of basketball plays this season, that when he does something good, that is a successful game. Congratulations. You always have to look at the silver linings, right? right. In that case, we are 2-0 in the season. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we talked. To, we got our Embiid, our Sixers reference in. Um, we have yet to talk about the revenge tour uh, of Russell Westbrook. Uh, and Zito, you know, you've been one of those people driving that uh, revenge tour bandwagon. Russ is the first player ever to start a year with at least 100 points, 30 rebounds, and 30 assists in his first three games. He's the only player to do that twice in NBA history. He did it two years ago. And it's funny watching the Thunder play. They're 3-0. and They barely beat the Suns at home. They obviously barely beat the Sixers, and then they were a more, a slightly more comfortable victory over the Lakers on Sunday night. They kind of look like the Thunder of two years ago, with Russell Westbrook kind of looking like Russell Westbrook of two years ago. I mean, is this a fair read of the Russell Westbrook situation? Uh, well, you know I wrote, what was it, at the beginning of the season that this was going to, this was painting a perfect backdrop for his MVP season. And then people are just like, yeah, people are just like, that's never going to happen because they're only going to win 30 games, blah, blah, blah. And see, like, I don't want to call myself a prophet, but this is, I predicted this and I said he was going to be amazing. He's going to go superhuman. And here he is. But I think that's a little bit, uh, I don't know, it's, it's true, but, you know, he has a lot more responsibility now, right? His usage rate is just like astronomical right now. Mm-hmm. And so it looks like the Russell Westbrook of two years ago when I think that's when Kevin Durant was injured, right? Right, right, yeah. Yeah, so this is, it's like a ramped up version of that where he knows he has to do every and anything. He has to score. He probably has to have the most points every game. He has to have the most assists every game. And he rebounds very, very well. So it has. it's going to get to the point, and I think this season is going to be like, Either he's going to average, he's going to have a lot of triple doubles or he's going to be close enough or like every stat line every night has to be close enough to a triple double for them to have an opportunity. So his like superstardom or like his next level superstardom is coming out of necessity, not like because he's comfortable enough to make that jump more like he has a, he's the only thing that they have, right? He's the Anthony Davis of the Thunder now. It just feels like he's, he's going to burn the candle on both ends. Like this definitely feels like a situation where you cannot go this hard for the entire season. Not even Russell Westbrook. Something's going to have to give. That's a challenge, right? It just <laughs> it feels like that, right? You can't just keep going faster. Like he, he's really setting the bar. And in the last game he was hitting threes uh, consistently. And if, if, if maybe he has an improved three point shot, he doesn't have uh, to go hard like every exactly. It, yeah, then he doesn't have to kill himself like for 40, 45 minutes a game. Um, you know, they don't have much around him. One of the guys they are going to have around him, two guys specifically today that we know they're going to be around him a lot longer, assuming he stays there for a while, um, will be Stephen Adams and Victor Oladipo. Now, Adams makes a lot of sense um, to lock up. He seems like a, a relatively premier center in the NBA now, but Oladipo. Is someone that Mike, I know you got deep thoughts about. <laughs> We've talked I've never about been him. the biggest fan. I've never, never been the biggest fan of his work. Zito, you are you an Oladipo guy? Uh, I know one of my friends actually grew up with him, so I can't okay. do anything because it might get back to me. <laughs> <laughs> fair. All right, um, fair enough. I mean, he he looked a little better in the next couple of games, but I mean, here's a bizarre thing watching that team, right? And it was the same thing watching that team two years ago. Everybody. In Oklahoma City was talking like, oh, it's not going to be the same. This year we've got Adams, we've got Oladipo. Our team is a lot better than that team two years ago. And you watch him, and it's just the rush show. I mean, that's the entire thing. I mean, none of these guys get to do anything, really. And on the one hand, like, yes, 
they probably would not do very well if they were allowed to do anything. <laughs> and like I agree. At the same time, like they're literally not touching the ball until unless Russ passes to them. And Oladipo in particular, I think, just looks kind of – he never gets a chance really to do what he wants to do. So when he gets those chances, he's really erratic. And they aren't defending very well, even with Adams. I mean, I, Russ, for all his energy, I think he sort of is like – the person that just burns out the turbo and uses defense to recharge it sometimes. So they're very, they're very entertaining games. It's just breathtaking to watch him operate, but it's also like, it's kind of amusing watching that team play. They are really a one man team. And that's the case. I feel like now we're kind of realizing that that's the case, no matter who you give, you surround Russ with, you know, What's what's the what's the narrative then if the first three games of the season that they played weren't against the Sixers, Suns, and Lakers, and they were like the Spurs, Raptors, and uh, Clippers, and they lost all three? But but Westbrook had the same exact stat line. What's the narrative then? That he needs to learn how to delegate more and not try to be like this all-conquering god. Yeah. So so I disagree. I think at this point it wouldn't matter. It doesn't matter how much they win. At this this year, I really don't think so. I think it would be the same thing either way. It's still, you know, this guy's on a one man mission. Like we've built this up so much as the anti warriors, and because he left, he has become a halo in our minds. That if they are bad and he has the same numbers, we just say, "Wow, Russell Westbrook did his part." We really, it, I don't think any of us really care, except for Thunder fans, like how good they are. Like they could be the four seed, they could be the eight seed. They could win 30 games. If Russ still does that, we're getting all we want out of the Thunder. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I would, I would love to see – I mean, let's be honest. We want to see them be the eight seed and play the one seed. Uh, yeah, you know, I think everybody like, wants that Warriors. Even if that? they lose, <laughs> Even if they lose, we want to see that, like, what he'll do, right? How oh, far totally. he can push himself. Like, like how, how much is the hate in his heart? <laughs> right. It's true. Right, so okay, let's assume they're not playing the Warriors because I agree. Like, and and look, we're gonna get our first chance to watch that on yeah. Thursday. I mean, how yes. exciting! How excited are we for that game? Um, I feel like it might be a little bit of a dud because the the Thunder are coming off a back to back in L.A. the night before, so that's never great. But I hope it's not. Clippers, that's, yeah, Clippers, Clippers. yeah, Clippers. not the Lakers. Yeah. Ooh, but like, let's assume they're not playing the Warriors. Like, I honestly don't think it matters to a lot of people how well the team does. I mean, everybody knows when you tune into a Thunder game, you're watching the Rush show. You know, yeah, that's and like true, that would be I, the case if they they played. I mean, obviously, we want to see them play the Warriors, you know, and that. But if they're like ten games under five hundred when they play the Warriors uh, in Oklahoma City in February, or they're ten games over five hundred, I don't know if it really changes the stakes of the game, does it? No, not in the rivalry sense or in the, the meaning of the relationship sense. So I don't think it. I think the emotion would be there regardless. I guess I agree with that. Having said that, I'm talking about like. The general theme here, though, is like, well, Russ is going to get triple-double a game and score almost 40, and everything's going to be fine, and we're going to be a 45-50 win team because success has been here for the last, you know, six, seven years. But if if they had played better teams, I don't think they win those games. Like, the Sixers should have won the first game. They were up eight with, like, two minutes left. Um, they're just a bad team. They don't know how to win. And they can only play their good, and they can only play their good players for like a quarter of the game. Um, so there's that too. But um, anyhow, that was, that game was one thing, and then the Phoenix game was was neck and neck. I mean, they could have definitely have lost that game. Um, I did not catch the Lakers game, but I saw that Russ, you know, went I, off and they won. Yeah, it was it was it was a lot. Okay, it was a lot. I <laughs> so, mean, it wasn't you know, that. That was like a six point game with like four minutes left, though, right? I mean, they. Yeah. It wasn't like okay. I know it ended a seventeen point victory, but well, I said it was hung a lot around. because. Yeah, I said it was a lot because yeah. I thought the Lakers were going to win because we're fun again. But, you know, <laughs> apparently that's not how this year is going to work. <laughs> I just hope you guys are fun enough to get the fourth pick in the draft next year because that would be the just amount of fun that I'm looking for from the Lakers. Wow, okay. Well, it's true. <laughs> I would love to activate that that draft pick at some point. Um, but any, anyhow, um, it's interesting because I've also found that the bad teams that Mike and I predicted have been – some of the most fun teams uh, to watch so far, uh, which is uh, interesting, sort of ironic. Mike, I mean, good job by us. Has anyone not bad. been fun to watch this year? Well, one team in particular, and we got a shout out to them from the questions here. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, I believe it was, how about those Kangs? 
um, from. Oh yeah, uh, the Kings suck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but Demarcus Cousins has been like really good though, right? He's been fantastic. Did you see him uh, waddle into the stands after a six foul the other night against great. Minnesota and toss his mouthpiece? Of course, the NBA had to find him for that. That was kind of lame, but um, I think that that was a very smart move by Demarcus Cousins. You know, wouldn't you rather that he sort of cool off? among fans and like attacking officials like he's not going to attack the fans they support him so i mean if he was going to like road fans that would be one thing but like wouldn't that be exactly what you'd want if you assume that he's going to get really upset like wouldn't you want him to go into the stands yeah he's like he's like the coolest anti-hero right he's like this really really problematic just like hard-headed individual but the fans love him just because he's their hard-headed individual he's their problematic little child so (laughs) and he plays well for like in that entire team everybody knows the kings are terrible but then you have like this one star and it's always fun to watch him go against like the other big man that we talk about that we champion right he goes against cat and he has like an incredible game and you're just like towns didn't have a good game either no, he ate yeah. him alive too. So he, you you kind of remember just how good Demarcus Cousins is, right? We get, I think sometimes we get so enamored with the new guys, and uh, like we did with Towns at first, and then because Anthony Davis got injured, we were just like, would you rather build a team around Towns or Anthony <laughs> Davis? Everybody's like Towns, and then Anthony Davis comes back, and you're just like, damn, this guy's really really good. So Davis. I think, <laughs> So it's like one of those things. And then you watch DeMarcus Cousins go against him. And you're just like, wow, uh, we totally forgot just how good this guy is, even if he's in his terrible team. But I think him going to the fans, especially the, like their deep, deep love for him, he's that's really what you would want. You shouldn't find that. Like That's just, that's just a fun thing that happened. I think technically you got fine for the mouthpiece part, but I agree wholeheartedly. It is interesting how Cousins always – I find that Cousins always plays well against Davis. When they play like head to head, when he gets another one of those young centers, it's the Kentucky guys. He gets the Kentucky guys and puts them down. He always plays well against those guys, and the Kings look not so bad this year. Uh, Dave Yeager has them defending quite well. I was really impressed with uh, their opening night win over the Suns. They play well against Minnesota, although they kind of let Andrew, Wig- Andrew Wiggins do what he wanted. Maybe this is the year, although they have a tough road trip coming up that I'm not sure they're going to survive. But they look pretty good. I mean, how about them Kings? How about him? How about him? Um, have the, we we missed anything? Uh, any other subplots so far, guys? Um, uh, to the to the season. Oh yeah, what what I wanted to bring up was um, when we did our over unders a couple weeks ago, and Zito, you can you can chime in too if there's any teams that immediately only two games into the season you would like a mulligan on anything you've said uh, or written about. Uh, Mike, I wanted to bring up one team in particular who's looked absolutely particularly terrible. Um, the Orlando Magic. You had making the playoffs uh, and hitting the over when we did this only a matter of like a week ago. Um, would you like a mulligan on that? Or would you like to, to, to stand, to stand by that? It's, it's way too early to get a mulligan on anything, but I'm not okay. feeling that good about that team right now. For sure. They uh, got drilled by the Pistons in Detroit on Friday. They lost their home opener to Miami. It doesn't look like Aaron Gordon at the three is really working. I'm not sure anyone really thought that would work and it's not working that well uh they're playing they're playing two bigs a lot so Serge Ibaka looks really slow it was striking watching him and they're playing Bismack Biombo with Nick Vucevic and it was striking watching them try to guard Tobias Harris they had no chance uh their offense is really rough uh Peyton still looks a little shaky Mario Azonia just doesn't look like an NBA player at this point and that's really bad uh so they're really weak, obviously, offensively, and then they're kind of slow defensively. And unless Gordon can play make, that doesn't look like a good situation. So, you know, let's see. Give it some time. But that they are not off to – they are probably off to the least impressive start of anyone in the league right now. One of them, yeah, for sure. Is he, is he any thoughts on that? Uh, no, I totally agree with that. And my team would have been the Wizards just because <laughs> I don't know why. I always have like this really bad optimism with them just because I like John Wall. And then every year it's just like, oh, yeah, they're totally the Wizards. So <laughs> you just want to annoy me, I think. <laughs> Uh, yes. <laughs> well, it's like it, it's one of those things that you just kind of they they have so much talent, or to me they have so much talent where it's just like 
I just hope something just happens, something just clicks and they get it together. And yeah. now there's Owen oh, 2. And then I'm back to Earth. Uh, well, okay, so they played Atlanta at Atlanta and then got drilled in the fourth quarter. That was embarrassing. Obviously, it's Saturday, Sunday's loss with Marcus Gasol hitting a three to tie the game and all that was just... <laughs> the, you know, the moving screen by Vince Carter was oh, yeah. even more ridiculous. <laughs> he just went like elbows up and just like started pushing. Yeah. <laughs> I can laugh about it now, but that was not making me happy. Uh, let's, let's, let's chill on them a little bit. They have five. Their starting five is very good. And okay. I would yeah, say, yeah. and it's just that they have no bench and they just lost, they lost composure in both of their games. So I'm, I'm waiting to chill on them a little bit. Ben, do you have a team that you are sort of wishing you took a mulligan on one way or the other? Yeah, I don't love my Pacers prediction as much as I did preseason. They're definitely a, a you know, a team without a country or if you will, they, they, they don't really know them their identity right now, trying to mesh a new coach with players that don't make sense. Mike, I think you may have even written about this, but if that's where I read it. But um, yeah, it, it's going to be an issue for sure. And um, Paul George is kind of struggling with exactly what he needs to do for the team to be successful. And um, I don't know. I don't love them. I think I had like a fourth seed or something like that. So in that, in that regard, no, I do think they will be a playoff team still. Well, their problem is they remind me a lot of what last year's was, is we're trying to do where it's like, Run, 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 run. Oh, by the way, we're too tired to play defense. Yeah, that's and, then, for sure. and that's and it doesn't help that they the, the next game Mont- was terrible. I mean, the Teague Monte Ellis thing is not working. Uh, they they there's no reason to have both of them. Both of them are just terrible defensive players, and they're getting beat off the dribble, and that's a real problem. Al Jefferson's really not doing much off the bench, and they're just not playing the right style of play for them. I mean, even their win over Dallas, where everyone was like, "Oh wow, they look how open that team was." Like to me, I just saw a team that couldn't stop JJ Barea, and they just got lucky because they made Miles Turner went off, you know. So yeah, um, Dallas is terrible too. They're not good. Well, it's Dirk's been out for two of the three games. I think we it's, true. it's too early to judge um, them, but I mean it's too early to judge anyone. But all these teams, I love I love these two games in podcasts. We're like, well, they're terrible, and their season's over. <laughs> and I'd love their draft, and I'm like, and I'd like their their draft pick because I can <laughs> yeah. project from here, I can see all the way to the end. Um, yeah, I, I think it's definitely uh, definitely interesting to 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 figure out uh, where these pieces will fall. But the Pacers, I definitely may have shot way too high on. So we'll see. Um, let's see. Any teams, Mike, on the other on the opposite end, where you're like, wow, they're they're going to be a lot better than I thought. Atlanta looks real good. Dwight Howard looks real set on He looked good in the preseason, too. I just wasn't sure it would carry over. Uh, so they look good. Uh, I'm impressed by them. And Sacramento looks good. I mentioned that earlier. Uh, their defense looks really – Jaeger sort of has them aggressively trapping the ball and uh, doing great weak side rotations. I'm impressed by Sacramento. Those, those are two teams. Uh, and I think we need to give some love as well to Damian Lillard. Was, yeah, man, what a yeah. first three games he had, including the shot against Denver. Oh yeah, talk about dudes who have to put so much in for their team night in and night out. Miller <laughs> <laughs> leaves it on the court like every game. It almost has that Iverson effect where you're like, man, he's going to do something to help us win this game, or or, or we're going to lose. Um, lot a lot of weight on one guy's shoulders. And I'll say McCollum's been pretty good still to the season, and Crab looks like a pretty shrewd signing to be your bench scorer. Um, yeah, Portland's I like having Crab a lot. Yeah, he's got, he's got real um, skill. Uh, but Lillard, I mean, is he is he ahead of some of these other point guards that were in his class? Like, can we now say that he's in the CP3 Russ discussion? Hey, I I was ready to say it last year. I'll say it now. I'm definitely up for that. Right? He definitely sure. he is in that class, and God, he just plays with such a chip on his shoulder that you just it, it's like him and Russ, where they're just. <laughs> absolutely just gonna destroy you in every single day and whenever he even when he's playing badly you just always feel like his next shot is gonna fall or he's gonna find a way to help you win the game but yeah i would definitely put him in that class now though that's for sure and and ahead of ahead of like wall and Kyrie and kyle lowry in Mm. that class oh well i don't i don't know if i have him ahead of Kyrie though (laughs) i do (laughs) you don't I, I don't, okay, I don't so think I'm so, gonna man. I'm going to say this that I do, but okay. if anybody asks, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Kyrie is special in a different way. Like, he might be the best 
scorer in the NBA, like just for a bucket at any point in the game. Like he can always get open and he's a extremely good shooter, even more so than like Steph in terms of get open to shooting ratio. I think that I think Kyrie might be like the best in the league. And like the thing with Kyrie is the whole he shoots difficult shots at the rims like so incredibly well. well. And Two defenders leaning away. Yeah, but like you've seen, you saw what Kyrie did in uh, what is it, the finals? Yeah, where even game he, one of this season. Yeah, he, where he, he just, hit a couple absurd shots. I agree, but but here's first. I think Lillard, first of all, is I disagree that that Kyrie can get his shot off easier than Lillard. I think Lillard can shoot from further away. So you have to guard him from further out. He's so much. He's not sort of the skilled layup finisher, maybe that in the same way that Kyrie is. But he's so strong. He's finishing through contact. I mean, did you see some of the finishes he had over Rudy Gobert in the first game? And I guess maybe you didn't because it was on TNT. It was the one on TNT or not on TNT, but it wasn't on TNT. Yeah. I mean, he was. I think he's every bit the finisher that Kyrie is, and he's just as good snaking into mid-range as he is, and he's just probably better off the ball than Kyrie is, and he's probably a better... I mean, I guess we'll never really know if Kyrie is, like, the same kind of clutch player. I know he had, obviously, the most famous shot in the finals, but... Yeah, that, come on. That's the most clutch you can get. Yeah, he had a big shot, but... Yeah, but, you know, we gotta the see... The big shot. I'm saying that Lillard in every close game is the one to fear. He gets what he wants... Every time, I don't know. I mean, also, I think the way they play offense, like you, they ask a little bit more of Lillard again off the ball and defensively. It's kind of a wash. I think Kyrie is still pretty bad, and Lillard at least is strong, so you can't really post him up. So, I don't know. I, I think I would go with Lillard at this point. I mean, we're trying to put point guards in the same echelon right now, so those guys are close, right? Yeah, they're very, very close. I think we agree on that much. And we put them both ahead of, of John Wall right now. Oh yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yes. For sure. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And I, I mean, right. I'm the, I don't, I can't deny it. I mean, at this point, if, if the Blazers, Kyle Lowry. Playing, no, he's not on Lillard's level. I mean, if the Blazers play at this level all season with, with Lillard playing, maybe he doesn't score 40 every game, but he's, I think he's a real threat to win the scoring title. And if they win 48, 49 games, why Fifty games, like why can't why shouldn't he be in the MVP discussion? Sure, yeah, that's, that that was one of his goals this season, wasn't it? That he came out and said that he wants to win the MVP. Yeah, so, that feels right. I think I he's mean, aiming for that. He could definitely put himself in the discussion. It's just it's like the most talented MVP race you could ever ask for. Right. It's like there's like seven hundred candidates. I mean, Joel Embiid is basically an MVP candidate at this point. Of course he is. <laughs> His write-in votes alone will be unprecedented. I mean, we what do we have? We have we haven't talked about LeBron. We haven't talked about James Harden. We haven't talked about any of the Warriors players. Uh, we haven't talked about Blake Griffin, who looks really good. And what happens if Anthony Davis like misses the playoffs by seven games, but averages like just under forty, fifteen? Seven, five, if he four, and two. forty points. They will have no choice but to but, give him. But that. Harden, but Harden averages like thirty-five and twelve, and I don't know, give him some other crazy stat line. And Westbrook, <laughs> and Westbrook averages the first ever triple double since since Robertson. Like this, this could be. We could get there. But LeBron has the best overall PER of any player ever for any season. Like we could get super analytics versus box score. And Steph and KD are still over there. That's right. That's right. So, so let me ask. Do, yeah. Let me ask you all a question. Like. Why does it feel like there are more individual standout performances to start this year? It feels like there are so many more like, wow, look at that dude's line than there is, than there have been in years past. Oh, God, that's a tough question. I've been thinking about this one. I'm trying to figure this out. Like, why? I don't think it's just like the first couple games. Like, I really feel like there are so many, I, there's so many stars putting up doing incredible things, putting up big numbers, like occupying such a huge role on their own teams. I feel like you must, I don't think it's as simple as like, yes, there's more talent in the league, which I think there is like, what, what do you think it is? I, I've been trying to figure this one out. I, I really, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just put I, us on tough. the spot. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll tell you, I think, I do think that there's um some, some nice like things happening, converging at the same time. Like Anthony Davis doesn't have to put up those numbers. If he has other players like Tariq Evans and, 
and Drew Holiday taking like 20 other shots from him. Like there's definitely some things that are converging simultaneously to make that happen. But then other things like the Kawhi Leonard putting up 35 or because he's getting into a place on the team where he needs to do that. Um, trying to think of some other huge, like uh, whatever standout performances. I think you're raising an interesting point though. It, other than I, we're talking this year about all the super teams and you know, yes, there are a lot of players stacked on golden state and Cleveland, but other than that, the talent around the league is spread pretty evenly in terms of the star talent around the league. You know, maybe the Clippers are the other team that sort of has a cluster of a couple top 20 players. But otherwise, you know, Harden is on his own. Davis is on his own. Kawhi, I mean, the Spurs are very deep, but Kawhi, I think, is starting to get to the point where he's on his own. The Blazers also pretty deep, but like Dame is kind of on his own. Uh, yeah. I think yeah, I think that's a big part of it, right? It's like hero ball is kind of needed from these uh, stars, so they have to have like similar totally. like like Anthony Davis said he has to have that type of night, and Damian Lillard knows a lot of times his team depends on him, so he has to have like extraordinary nights like that, and the same with or uh, even Kawhi Leonard, right? He's their main scorer now, so he has to do astronomical things many many nights and like Westbrook has been doing that for a while now so I think because it's so spread out and like some of them are on not really like some of them are on good teams but the team kind of depends solely on them so it's just you know you have to be a hero most of the nights so DeMar DeRozan got 40 right already that that's all you gotta know <laughs> Don't forget about Demar Derozan. Hey, he uh, did. Totally he was good it. in that game. He was really good. <laughs> you oh. know, I just found out that Kyle Lowry is thirty years old, and yeah, it freaked right? me out. Crazy, because me, me too. I I thought he was like twenty six. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I remember watching him play in high school. I mean, like when when he played against Singletary, it was like one of the biggest games in Philadelphia. It was on television and whatnot because those two point guards were so good at the time, and. Yeah, and that makes me feel super old because he's thirty, yeah. and so so am I. You know, I was um, like, wow. And then yeah. he's like six foot tall. I know, right? <laughs> Look at he's he's like a grown up man, yeah. <laughs> an, an adult human with a child. But he was yeah, he was like the little the little guard who was there with like Foy and and, uh, and Alan Ray. Um, That's right. Which is making me think back all the way back to that team. Woo, yeah, good that team. But but yeah, yeah. It, it does feel like there's so in this. Isn't it ironic that everyone's compl- everyone who doesn't like the NBA complains that all the stars cluster together and there are only a couple teams worth memorable? It, we're actually like the talent. I mean, we didn't even I mean, Boogie's another one. Like that. That's another sort of guy. I, I think in past eras, these players would have been on the same team, and now they're not. And the NBA sort of has achieved a little bit of its competitive balance problem, while also. There's a new problem, but that to me it makes the league so much more exciting to have you know all these players, and I feel like it's only going to get even more pronounced if in the new CBA there's sort of it's easier to offer extensions to players uh, to keep them there. I mean, I think it's only going to go grow more like that, and I think it's it's a healthy thing for the league. That, you know, all these teams, you know, ha- can feel like there there's some reason to tune into all of them whether maybe they can't all win the title obviously maybe they can't all compete for the title but at least Pacers fans get to watch Paul George and yeah, Blazers sure. fans get to watch Hard Lillard now. and Kings fans get to watch Cousins and uh Thunder fans get to watch watch Russ and you know Celtics and Hornets fans have a really nice balanced team that they can watch and you know all of that can happen there's something exciting to tune in for everyone there is but Cleveland's going to go to the finals every single season as long as LeBron is still on his, on their team. So so it's kind of like those are all nice like moral victories to put out there <laughs> two games into the season. But I, I also think there's like an urge for like Boston to get Boogie Cousins and for like if Paul George is unhappy that he won't he won't be a guy who plays his entire career or even the bulk of his prime in Indiana. Like, well, yeah, I think that's uh that's like one of the problems where if stars are just all over the place, then you the really super teams are more pronounced. So you get like the Cleveland versus Golden State and you realize right. like these two teams are probably going to meet in the finals or like <laughs> a third team is going to meet in the finals. But if you had like a cluster of like three, four, like four, five super teams who can compete really, you know, really at the top level and then you just had like 
no really big stars around. Then you get that problem where it's like everybody's not competitive, but the real competitive ones are, you know, there's a chance that the winner switch or the winner of the title switches every year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think either way you go, you get a little bit of a problem. But, you know, fans having somebody to cheer for can't be too bad. Like, actually having something to tune in sure. to. I know the Lakers aren't going to win, but I like watching... What's his name? Uh, Russell kinda, and, yeah, and Randall. Russell, Julius well. Randall, apparently. Jordan Clarkson is good, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and <laughs> coming up. Yeah, I, Nick Young I, is a lockdown defender. I always oh, knew it was right. going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, we'll see how long that lasts. That was very amusing. They, they're benching Jordan Clarkson to start Nick Young. Never thought that would happen. I will. Oh my god! Like it's Crazy. it's breaking my heart because Jordan Clarkson is so much. It's a two way <laughs> like double double walk in, and here we are with <laughs> Nick Young. <laughs> like first it was the Byron Scott thing with Russell. And now it's just like Luke Walton is trying to piss me off. <laughs> so, we'll see how long this lasts. I can live with this one because I do think that, that Clarkson needs more touches and maybe separating him from Russell will help. But you know, back to the original point, it does feel like the, the NBA is having its cake and, eat, and eating it too. Like They have their super teams, but they also have interesting teams in places like Portland and Oklahoma City and Utah and Sacramento now and yeah when it drives Indiana. that narrative Was it that? drives that narrative that it drives that narrative that Zito was hitting on very early on on this podcast about how he just like roots against the Warriors in this case and wants to see a smaller team you know or the I don't know the David and Goliath dynamic can play out this case for the NBA on a routine basis because there's enough super teams and enough superstars to pluck out those teams to create that like on a one game basis on like a Thursday night for TNT, you get like that player versus that team. And that's kind of a nice thing to have. So you can kind of create the neutral fan effect of rooting for or against a team. Right. No. Yeah. I I think it's the NBA is pretty here. You know, maybe the the only people I guess it maybe isn't great for is uh, the stars that are clustered on the, or they're not clustered on these super teams. (laughs) The pressure of winning, I guess that would be the only the only downside, you know, so someone like Anthony Davis is sort of doomed unless of something really major changes with the Pelicans. But if somehow Anthony Davis and Lillard could become on the same team, that would be I mean, amazing. Would, right. I mean, there's so many of these stars, <laughs> if you paired them up, that uh. would be so much fun to watch. But, you know, then you also sacrifice the New Orleans market, so... I like our conclusion, right? This is good for the NBA. This is good for the fans, but yeah. it might not be good for the actual players. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> Which is how the NBA wants it. This is perfect. Yeah. It's a good loop. Um, cool. Well, we've we've gone like a good hour here, so this is pretty solid. We'll have to have Zito on more often here. It's pretty easy to crush like 55 to 65 minutes of NBA talk. It's a lot going on. It's a very fully functional ecosystem, the NBA world. It's just so much to talk about. It's, it's great. It really it's great. This is going to be a great <laughs> season. I was actually a little bummed coming this year because I didn't. I thought it would be sort of a preordained finish, and it didn't take me long to realize how wrong that was. There is a lot to get excited about. I mean, is there anything we haven't talked about that is interesting? Anyone, any thoughts on the Bulls so far? Mm-hmm. They're uh, Dwayne Wade is shooting threes, and I feel like this is the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, too, yeah. I, they're crushing Brooklyn as we speak, by the way. Yeah, I got to see a little more from them before I really fully buy in. They've played two teams that are coming in on back-to-backs, uh, so I got to see a little bit more. And the Knicks, obviously, I got to see a little more from them as well. It's fun. We didn't go this entire conversation talking about the Bulls and the Knicks. Well, yeah. that's cross-off one. It's not going to happen very often. <laughs> there's a lot to talk about we won't but we won't we should cut this now we should save some for when there has been like five to seven games played per team yeah <laughs> you know because then we can make sweeping yeah we can make sweeping um you know results on the entire season um from there uh zito will you uh you want to plug anything anything we should see that you put up on SB Nation recently bud oh no i'm hiding from the world after that yeah. tom brady article jesus <laughs> Wait a you, got, you got something coming tomorrow, right? Uh, yeah, I'm, I wrote, a, I reviewed Damian Lillard's album. Oh, nice! Right, so it's 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 really nice. I like the album, but cool. I made some criticism that might get me hate from Blazers fans. So, <laughs> yo, they are a uh, rampant fan base. We learned that when we did our season previews. We actually were told by the editors, and they were like, "By the way, like 
sometimes we do things, we go on another podcast, and like they'll just get hate out of nowhere. So, so, so good on you, and we'll see how it goes. Well, it's like <laughs> the, my biggest problem is like so many of our blogs follow, like so many, so many of our basketball blogs follow me. Which That's I can't great. really do. Yeah, but I can't really make the same jokes that I used to make about their teams. Like the Warriors are playing, like the Warriors are losing, and I have to like withhold what I want to say because like the Golden State people follow me, and like the Celtics <laughs> lose, and I want to talk shit about the Celtics, and it's like, damn it, just do <laughs> so, it, man. Who cares? Yeah, just Whatever. just do it. Yeah, Mike, Mike just gave you the the bus. Do it. Whatever. I mean, yeah, I they're think such nice people. <laughs> they are very nice people, and they're great sites, and they have a wealth of knowledge, and that we have sort of shown the world with our podcasts, and we're, that's great. But man, who cares? Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Just Might go, have for to go it. back. To just to stay away from the wizards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I used to make this joke last like. Two years ago, whenever the Wizards won, because I have like a few Wizards fans that follow me, and I was just like, "Congratulations to the five Wizards fans in the world!" <laughs> All right, you're you're done. We're no, you're fired now. <laughs> we're revoking our we're revoking your paid uh, your paid appearance fee. <laughs> After all that, thanks for your time. <laughs> At the uh, end of it, just take everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the paid appearance fee. Oh, it's perfect. Um, awesome. Well, we'll have you back on uh, throughout the season. We'll get your thoughts on this, what Mike just called a very intriguing season. And I tend to agree. And it's just awesome to have so much basketball and to watch. So until next time, tune in to the Limited Upside podcast. Yeah.